I want to uh, give a kind of a quick dis- disclaimer. So when, when we were presented with these topics for disciplines, um, learning, obviously, I gravitated toward that because um, it's kind of my profession um, to think about that a lot. But I, I want to give this kind of quick dis- disclaimer about it. I do not want you to think that I'm giving this talk because of, because of my profession of being a teacher and that there's some sort of side benefit for me um, when that's the only reason why I'm doing it. Rather, I want you to know that this is a topic that I think about and focus on on a day-to-day basis. How we learn is something I literally study, went to school for, um, and take note on frequently and sometimes keeps me up and keeps me up and keeps me up. And from what I know about God and from what I know about learning, this is a discipline that is essential uh, for the other ones that we have learned about, have talked about, and in our future growth, okay? Um, so, so like I said, I, my, my career really is this. It's how do we learn? Um, how, how, can you, how can I best teach you guys how to learn, essentially? It doesn't matter the topic necessarily, what, what you're trying to learn, but how do we learn well, I guess you could say. One of the, being a teacher, one of the most exciting things I love hearing about is how you guys have learned. So to kind of get the ball rolling a little bit, I'm, I'm interested in three questions for uh, just talk on your tables. I want to know about three times you learned something. S- situation one, name one sermon, one uh, John gave at Hype on Sundays, uh, that Dave gave or whoever, uh, where you feel like you learned a great deal or something extremely valuable. Name one experience you had, small or big, where you felt like you learned a great deal or something valuable to life. And then name one class or teacher you had uh, where you feel like you learned a great deal or something extremely valuable. So kind of get the ball rolling a little bit. Talk about those three questions at your table. Um, I'd like to have maybe at least one example from each table uh, before we get going. So what's a sermon you learned something from? A great deal, a nice lesson, an experience you had, and then a class or teacher you had. Alrighty, like I said, I, I love hearing about what other people are learning, especially if it's something that they're excited to learn about. Um, one of my greatest joys as an educator is when I hear a student either come into my room and talk about a past class or a class they just came to, or they're even talking about my class, obviously, as well. Um, but it's kind of balanced between table to table. You don't have to go in order, but you can give, you know, if there's a story behind it, feel free to give the story. I'll, I'll start with the experience since you guys did. Um, I mean, not a fun experience, but learned a lot. Uh, gearing, getting rear-ended right before I graduated college. That was my first like, car accident, first time ever having to do insurance stuff, and taking pictures and saying it to the insurance people. And oh, the other person didn't have insurance, so I had to learn all about that. And then filing like, a police report, and, and this, and this, and this, and how long we have to wait for a car to get you know, completely fixed. Oh, it's three weeks, now I don't have a car. How do I learn how to live my life without having a car? So experience after experience after experience, and yeah, it was a headache, but definitely learned a lot and know that if I ever get another accident, I know the steps of the process, just hopefully it's not my fault. Um, class or teacher, uh, definitely for me, it was um, uh, Mr. Nolica. He was my physics teacher in high school, just a genius. Um, he, he literally was a rocket engineer, a rocket scientist before becoming a teacher, but he was such a good teacher, though, and, um, and the fact that I knew about his faith, too, definitely kind of brought me along there. Uh, one sermon uh, in my life that definitely st- st- stands out to me was my uh, youth group in high school. We, I was actually a leader on it at the time, but it still kind of taught me a lesson in a way. Um, 
we kind of tried to evoke the emotions of the cross um, and how God turned away from Christ in that moment and Christ calling out, you know, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And kind of placing ourselves there and like what that experience feels like in a way. Um, but then also knowing that there's, there's hope because Christ overcame and whatnot. Um, like I said, even though I was a leader on that in, in a part of that program, uh, that was definitely one that taught me a lesson in terms of, wow, Christ had to be forsaken. And this is maybe what it looked like or felt like uh, a little bit. Um, but I know you guys have tons. Maybe, you know, I, I think we definitely live in an age where it's information overload. We, we have access to so much information or um, we've, we've experienced so many things, whether in person or through Snapchat and seeing the other side of the world or through Instagram. And, and we, we definitely have these in here somewhere. And maybe it's just hard to kind of pick one out because there has been so many or so many have been superficial. So it's, okay, what, what did I learn? from it. Um, the things I want to establish, though, uh, kind of um, through this lesson is I first want to kind of take you on where we're at as a society with learning. So um, in terms of the book that this discipline came from, I honestly didn't use the book too much. Uh, I did go through it to get some quotes from the author and uh, see what he had to say about learning, but since this is something I study and something I, I contemplate, I want to kind of take it a maybe a little bit different direction the book does. But this is kind of where learning has gone uh, to me. There's been a massive shift over time, and we'll see kind of where you like to fall. The general learning way, number one, was I call it the information dump truck. Characteristics, lectures, textbooks, open-air preacher slash teacher, um, encyclopedias, where you know, people had to buy volumes and volumes and volumes of them. Uh, libraries were for books. Now they seem to be more for like, movies and, and stuff, honestly, um, and that was more of a hotspot for a lot of students and a lot of learning. I'm not saying they're not now, but the shift, the proliferation of the internet, readily available um, for a you know, relatively cheap price, I guess you could say. As Don Whitney, the author of the book, says, it's an infinite storehouse of information accessible through the internet. That's, that's really what it provides. So when that happens, think like late 90s, early 2000s, and mid-2000s, as it's becoming more commonplace and more commonplace and more commonplace, we kind of get to where we're at now. Where the way people like to learn now, or I hear from students constantly, is, experiment, is it's the experience, learning from an experience. See these characteristics if you gravitate toward these, or if, you, if this is you. You have information at our fingertips. Just Google it. We can see things that are going on across the world and the strangest of places. Uh, there's a con we have uh, in experimental uh, learning through the experience, we also have a, a chance to constantly apply our knowledge we have and pick up new knowledge when we experience something. But we still kind of have an information overload uh, in a way. Having information at our fingertips, we can, you know, I can ask Alexa, Google Home, whatever, any sort of question, and the information's there. So... What does that information mean to me? Well, it's kind of up to you, um, in a sense. Or maybe I, I kind of say it this way, and there's kind of good and bad, but this has been kind of the shift. Where we are today, and really I felt this when I was a student, I still am, uh, in a way. When I was a student, I definitely wanted to learn more through experience because I can just get surface-level information very quickly, a, a simple definition and whatnot. Um, so I think it's good, though. 
I like being a teacher and the, ex- the experience learning type thing, or uh, type way of learning, I would say. Um, it's a lot more fun than me having to give like a 60-minute lecture like a lot of my college professors had to do because you only went to class two days a week and they were going to cover four chapters in one day. Um, but where we kind of get from this, or there's a little bit of a problem in the experience, I would say. Um, the, some of the stuff that comes with the experience is when we see what other people are doing, I think we have a general yearning for that. Think about your friends you have on Snapchat, and they're going on vacation, and you can see on that weird map thing that they're in Florida, or wherever the heck you read that weird thing, um, and they're Snapchatting their experience in Florida, and you're kind of envious, or FOMO, fear missing out. We're kind of having, we're seeing their experience, and well, we want that experience as well. Um, experiment, uh, learning in the experience can also be very superficial, um, so we kind of learn superficially, I would say. You know, constantly I hear, especially being in a chem class where I get to blow things up, I hear students say like, oh, I want to see a demo. Let's see, let's see something blow up. I say, okay, we can see something blow up, but where's the learning in that other than it blew up? Well, there's more to it, so unless we're going to dive deeper, it kind of stops there. Um, for me, we are in the age of learning through experience and having information available. So like in my class, for example, handout after handout after handout. I don't want you guys to memorize information. That's kind of pointless. Back when I was in school, they, they kind of stressed at times, memorize the periodic table. Why? What's, what's the purpose of that? Students of mine would know, like, they've heard me say, it's a map to be read. You just have to know how to read it. The information's there. Just learn how to apply the knowledge. You just have to interpret and apply. Or I kind of say it like this. You can memorize parts of the periodic table if you want to, but for what reason? I think it's just kind of head knowledge at that point. I can know a great deal about it from practice and practice and over time, where, yes, I do have things memorized, and I don't necessarily need to pull it out, but Hannah can easily just pick up a periodic table from her phone and have all the same information I have. So there is no purpose for the information overload now, which I kind of like as a society. It's good we're in the experience, but we can't just discredit the first thing. Two quick questions. So thinking about these two types of learning, number one, is there a side that you gravitate more to and why? The second thing, does how you learn about God gravitate toward one of these? Or maybe said a different way, think about how you currently learn about God or intake God, whether through hype or Sundays or your own personal study. Does it seem to go toward one way or the other? Is it more of an information overload? Or do you, would you say you learn from experience? So answer these questions in your groups. So I have a peak my interest. I have a poll question. Raise your, uh, let's do that. Stand up if you say you gravitate toward learning through experience. Okay, even if you didn't answer the question with everybody, stand up if you say you, you gravitate toward learning through experience. Okay, whether you want to call it hands-on, etc. You, you, you reason more with the characteristics of learning through experience, okay? Now, my second question. The second question here was about um, how do you learn about God? Does it gravitate toward one? Now, I'm going to switch it up a little bit, though. I want you to keep standing if the way you learn about God, the way you have been offered how to learn about God, matches 
what you, how you like to learn. So stay standing if, if those two match each other. The way you feel like we, we, you learn about God in this community, at your home, in this culture, matches experience. I can see the problem. I'll touch on this a little bit later, but if the way we learn about God doesn't match how we like to learn, how good is the learning? Think about that as we kind of move on. You guys can go ahead and sit down. The thing I want to establish and show you, so even though our culture has gone to learning in the experience, God values both ways. God uses both ways and wants us to learn both ways. So I have, I have uh, four different verses. Two that are learning through experience. Two that are learning through lecture. This table, John's table. I want you guys to read the Second Samuel verse, verses, and then the Sermon on the Mount, or excuse me, yeah, the Sermon on the Mount ones. Now, the Sermon on the Mount, that literally is five through seven, the chapters. I do not want you to read the whole chapters, but I wa- I'd rather have you focus on where kind of like the subtitles. Maybe pick one as a group to read. Well, your first one is uh, learning through an experience. The second one is learning through a lecture, so to speak, an information overload. Other table. You take the Acts one as well as the Nehemiah one. Okay, and uh, have some people read it. And then there are two questions on, the, on the, uh, the screen. What were the lessons learned or spoken of in these verses? What other Bible verses or stories could go in these categories? Matthew. You're doing the Samuel one and the Matthew one? So read the story and then consider the two... At least the first question that's on there. What were the lessons learned or spoken of, or spoken about in these verses? Say, so if you didn't have a chance to answer the first question, let's go ahead and do that as a kind of a full group, okay? So, since this is about learning, there were lessons learned uh, in each story, two via experience, two via uh, lecture. Let's let's go back and forth. So let's start with the first experience. Uh, which group had the second Samuel, or yeah, second Samuel right here. So um, maybe a quick synopsis, and maybe what's kind of the main thing that you see was learned there, or what is the experience? How about that? Yeah. So um, one of the things about Second Samuel twelve is there's like two or three chapters of story before Second Samuel twelve that kind of set this up. But um, it's a story of David committing adultery with Bathsheba. One of the interesting things about this is so David, um, instead of going out to battle with the army, he stays home and he goes up on his roof and he sees a woman bathing. And then he, he literally sends his soldiers to go get her, which every time I read that, it sounds like kidnap and rape is what it sounds like he does. He, he takes this woman, brings her into his room, sleeps with her, gets her pregnant, and then um, he tries to like cover it up and then ends up killing her husband and like all this stuff happens. He tries to cover it up and keep it a secret. And then in 2 Samuel 12, a prophet comes to tell him, hey, what you did is not secret. And the way that he tells him this is he, he, he tells a, like a story about a, a, a rich shepherd who went and stole the only lamb from a poor shepherd. And David's like, this guy has to die or this guy has to you know, be punished because this rich guy took 
the only thing that this poor person had, and Nathan kind of turns the tables on him and says, well, that's you, that's what you did. You're rich, and you, you have all these things, and you went and took this poor man's wife and had him killed. And, and so you see David in this learning about his own sin through this experience and somebody confronting him in that experience. So it's kind of two for one. It's the first thing. It's a pretty crazy weekend, or week, or how long that went, of all those decisions he made and things that happened. But then also kind of get it thrown back in your face from kind of like that, that thing of like experiencing something through a lens of like that story Nathan told, you know, maybe wasn't real or didn't happen, but that's an experience in itself. And David was wise enough to be like, oh, yeah, that's bad. Well, it's you. So there's a learning curve there and whatnot. Uh, let's bounce to the, let's bounce to a lecture one. Um, let's go to the Nehemiah one, eight. So other table, I think. So what kind of happened there? And what's the lecture on? Uh, basically, it was uh, a town uh, where Ezra was, and Nehemiah, and basically Ezra stood on top of the box and read the law of Moses to the people. And the Levites read the law of the law or whatever to the people. And a bunch of hard names to pronounce. Yeah. <laughs> kind of also is an experience, but going through the law, there's kind of a lot to it. And they went all the way through it, so um, days and days and time and time, and the lesson they learned was, wow, we're really bad, and it did invoke, you know, an emotion and whatnot, but I think at the end of that story, it goes to being at a party or like a festival or... They remind him about God's holiness, essentially, um, and whatnot. Okay, so long-winded lecture, but still a really good result that God definitely used. Uh, let's bounce back to here. So let's uh, do another experience. Actually, it'll be your table again, I guess. Um, back to another experience, the Acts 9, so one from the New Testament. So what's Acts 9? What's the quick story there? What's the lesson learned? He learns Christ is the Lord. Saul, who became Paul, was a terrorist at the beginning of this at the beginning of this story. Going along the road, Christ intervenes. Experience, you lose your sight, and you don't have your sight for some time. And then they fall off like scales because of the Holy Spirit. He accepts Christ. And then the disciples learn too that, oh, wasn't this guy a terrorist? 
And, but then they realize when they, when they see him and how changed he is that, okay, he's changed and this is how it kind of should be. And back to here. So the Matthew verses. Um, math, the book of Matthew and this part of the Bible, honestly, is my favorite part of the Bible. The sermon on, this is the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is my favorite part of the Bible. And let's see if this group can identify. So what's, what's kind of the, the gist? And then if there's a story maybe you guys picked out, tell me about it. So what, what, what verse is from Matthew? Is it five? So the subtitle, it's Jesus talking about don't commit adultery. Okay, you've heard it this way. Don't you know, lie with another woman's or a man's wife, but I'm going to tell it to you this way. The Sermon on the Mount, the thing I love about it, it's, it is another long-winded lecture, so to speak, but Jesus' teaching kind of turns everything upside down and people hear and, and understand, or not understand, but they, they listen to it. They're, they're um, uh, captivated by it. And it's not just that topic. It's so many topics. Two and a half, three chapters full of it. If you have a red text Bible like I do, just red text and red text and red text, and he goes on and on and on. But if you're there in the lecture and you're there to understand or there to really hear, then there's so much kind of two there. Um, so uh, those are all four of them. We see lecture. We see experience. Um, tons of other stories I kind of thought could fit in here. So kind of question two, learning through experience. Abraham and his son. Hey, you go sacrifice your son. Trust me. Experience. Jesus dying and what that felt like. Um, the disciples seeing Jesus walk on water. Paul losing his sight, as he said. David and Bathsheba, the prodigal son. His father telling him, hey, this is bad for you. See you, Dad. Goes experience life. Goes in the dumps. Experiences that and comes back and kind of learns his lesson away. Uh, learning through the lecture. There's so many instances in the Bible where they're talking about, especially like in the Old Testament with the law or Jesus' uh, like parables and whatnot. But one thing I always hear, I love, is whoever has ears, let them hear. That's, a, that's like a, a qualifying statement in a lot of uh, texts in the Bible. And, oh my gosh, there's so many times I wish I could say that to like start a day. It's like, hey, whoever has ears, let them hear. I mean, that would go over the heads of so many students and whatnot at any level. But it's like, I don't know, there's, just so, there's so much power in that of saying, hey, listen. And don't just listen because I'm some sort of authority, but listen because you're going to learn something. You know, something important to say. And, but you just have to give me, try to understand it. Eliminate your distractions. You know, the Sermon on the Mount or the speaking of law, yeah, it was probably a long time, but, you know, it doesn't talk about them having need a fidget spinner or something to survive or there wasn't a clock to look at or things like that, but they, they were listening with intent and whatnot. And just that one line, I, I love it, and, and how, okay, if you're going to learn a lecture, have ears to hear. Don't just be present, have ears to hear. But I think we kind of run into a problem. And I kind of hinted at this earlier. Do we run into this problem? The way I learn about Jesus or the way that Jesus is taught to me does not match my interests or the way that I learn, meaning that I learn less or just have less interest about Christ. Or maybe kind of like this. Are you becoming bored? Dave literally said it last week. A bored Christian is a dangerous Christian. And he went to say it kind of two ways. Number one, if you're kind of bored in your faith, 
you easily fall back into temptation and maybe your former way of thinking in life. Or you kind of go out and shoot other Christians. And I think what he meant by that was um, if I see a Christian uh, falling one way or doing something that I don't necessarily believe in, I'm going to say, oh, no, that's not what Christ is all about. Christ is all about the way I believe in Christ and, and whatnot because I have this level of understanding because I refuse to learn more. Or the way I'm learning about Christ or is being offered to me doesn't match how I best learn. Learning keeps you from this boredom. So pursue learning in kind of both ways. Whether you gravitate to one or the other, we can have learning in both ways. It's just how do we kind of prep ourselves to that point? How do we prepare our heart in, in that regard? Um, or maybe said this way. Um, actually, this is some ideas from John. Or uh, we're said this way. Sometimes I think we get into this. Why write down something when it's already written? Why memorize verses in Scripture when I can have something like Amazon Alexa just speak it to me? Why spend the time doing that when the information's already there? I just need to access it. So it's just on me to access it. A Greek philosopher, um, I'm not sure who it was, and said this, or basically along these lines, we've gotten dumber from written language. The moment we started writing things down, there's no need to memorize anymore. In today's world, we've gotten dumber in a way from our unlimited access to information. You know, I don't need to believe this or, or say it this way. We have anything at our, at our fingertips. We just need to be able to seek it out. But for it to mean anything to us, well, now we actually, actually have to apply our knowledge. But the way we're going to apply our knowledge, we have to first think on it, connect it to other things, and see the topic from all sides. And I think that's a part we kind of miss. We, we, we have an experience, and we have all these senses and feelings and, and whatnot, but it's very superficial, unless we think on it, connect it to other things, and see it from all sides, i.e., maybe lecture in a way, or, or doing more research. But that's something we don't like to do as a society anymore, then I, can't, I think we're kind of at a loss. So God wants us to learn both ways, but I know this is true. So that's great and all. These different types of learning are great and all, and, and we can see both ways, but why do I seem to hate and dread learning? in school, or elsewhere. I know we have our seasons, good and bad. We have our good days and bad days. We're ready to learn. We're ready to listen to the teacher or the presenter or the speaker or the, or the, the preacher and whatnot, but this is a reality for us all. So let me hear him. Why do we, do, why do we seem to dread learning or maybe simply paying attention? Yeah, I do. John's going to write some of the things we say. Fire them off. Caleb, you had your hand up. It's boring. Okay, simple enough. Do you don't have to explain it at all? Why do we seem to dread learning? Yeah. Time consuming. Mental effort. Too much brain power. Energy. Too much lecture, so we, we still have teachers or topics that um, are presented to us in too informational way, so maybe style that's presented. Say so another big thing with learning, and there's so much to the topic of learning that I'm not really touching on. The way we learn, like if you're a kinesthetic learner or you're like a music, musically inclined, I'm not really touching on that, but style is definitely a big thing, I would say. Mm -hmm. Other people? 
So maybe maybe at least two or three more. Interest. Your interest. Mr. Hantag, how can I get more points? Man, the number of times I hear that. I don't care about you getting points. I care about you learning stuff. But that's the common thing. And I get it. I do. Focusing on the result. Performance based learning or like, I'll just getting graded. You guys all know what that means. One way I kind of word it is focusing on the end result instead of the process. Maybe one more. I won. Emotions. I had my students do an end-of-the-year survey for me because I, you guys are my greatest evaluators and you have me every day. And I started reading some of them because I had to give them credit for it, points, I guess. Um, but I'm so stressed right now that going through them, I did not want to hear what they had to say at times, good or bad. And I was letting that hinder my learning. But here's the thing. The things that we did not put up here are the things that are, are on here. I don't think we dread learning. I think this is true. I think you love to learn the things you love to learn about. You love to learn more about the things you love. So what does that say about your love for God? If you don't feel like you love learning, and, and obviously God specifically, but maybe even in general, what does it say your love for God? Now, I will say, I think one way we, we think of church and whatnot, when I was going through this lesson, I was thinking like, how does, the, how does our current culture and our current church present information to us? What does it feel like? And honestly, I think it, at a very, surface, at a very like, um, quick glance, church feels like a lecture. This probably felt like a lecture in some sort of way. And I totally agree. I do. But if you listen a little bit closer, it's not. The experience is out there for you people who love experience. The lecture is there for the people who love lecture and the information overload. But we do both, and God values both, so how can we consider both? You guys love to learn about what you love. You spend time doing it. You don't let other people get in your way for what you want to learn about. Um, you don't care how much effort and energy it takes. You don't let your emotions get in the way. Really, it's your emotions that may be prompted because you love it. Obviously, you have an interest in it because you love it. And the style you, it's presented in, well, it's a style that you go for. Really, what I'm getting at is this. If we want to start learning, we've got to present ourselves as teachable. And the Bible does talk about this as well. Think about the book of Proverbs. Proverb after proverb after proverb. There's so much about wisdom and understanding. And the people who, who go to understand or aim to understand something, well, they're the ones that are... Um, truly trying to learn and grow. It's kind of interesting. Proverbs 1, 2, one of the first verses, the word wisdom pops up. Proverbs 31, 26, one of the last verses, the word wisdom pops up. And I know that's kind of taking the extremes and literally maybe out of context, but the number of times the word wisdom is in the book of Proverbs goes to show 
we do need to gain knowledge in some way. But we, I, excuse me, I think we know there's a difference between smart, intelligent, and wisdom. Being smart. To me, being smart is head knowledge. You can spit off facts, so to speak. And I think we all know smart people. Be intelligent. To me, capacity to learn or applying the knowledge you have in kind of creative ways or ways that solve problems. Wisdom. Wisdom is something you have when you learn through experience. You have head knowledge, and you know the value of learning and seeking out more understanding. I think for us, personally as a teacher, I, aim, I want you guys to be more intelligent. I don't care how smart you are. I would love to see how you can apply the knowledge you have rather than just having a bunch of knowledge. But in terms of our sake of the Bible, I think we need to be all three. We need to have some head knowledge. Thinking about like memory verses or knowing parts of the Bible and whatnot, the story of God. Having intelligence, applying that knowledge in different situations in life, and having wisdom in talking about it to other people or, or laying, seeing another brother and sister in Christ who's experiencing something that maybe um, that you went through at the same time. I think we need to be all three at, some, at least a little bit in our walk with God and our knowledge of God. But one thing that, that kind of um, hurts me in a way, that quote in the middle, I do not want to talk to that person about God or uh, the Bible or God. They're too smart for me. That situation, that quote there, kind of applies to two different things. I think I hear that in terms of um, people smarting you in terms of the Bible. You know, if you're a board Christian, you don't want to necessarily learn more because you like your faith. So you don't go to someone like John to learn more about it because he's going to maybe put you in a place or, or reveal sin that you don't want to know about. Or I think about it in terms of apologetics. Oh, I don't want to talk to that really smart person who's like an atheist. They're really smart. That emoji right there, I just typed in the word frustration, and that's what popped up. Because that's, when, I, when I hear that quote, especially from, from fellow believers, oh, it makes me so frustrated because, well, why aren't we smart? Why don't, why don't we see ourselves as smart or intelligent or wise? I think it's because we're not learning. Whether about God or just any general topic. And to me, that's, that's one thing that kind of gets me going a little bit. is I, Like when, when someone tells me, oh, I'm not smart in this way or I'm not smart in this way. Well, well why? Do you value learning? Do, do you seek to be teachable? Now, I'm not saying you just gain a bunch of knowledge when you accept Christ, but and after that, are you, being, are you presenting yourself as teachable where you want to learn? You're having ears to hear. You're ready to experience something and apply it in different situations. Said this way, pray to be teachable. If, if, if you don't think you're teachable, pray to be it. God will give you the capacity to be teachable. Resist temptation to maybe resist these things, and whatnot. Not that all these are necessarily sin, but to be teachable, we have to kind of put those aside a little bit. And don't just white-knuckle your way through learning. Don't just think, it's my points. It's my performance. It's my progress. God will progress you. For my two years of teaching, oh my gosh, I, there have been so many times where I've sought as my progress and, and whatnot. I've been white-knuckling my way, but thankfully being humbly reminded that it's God who's bringing me through this process and whatnot. It's 8.35 almost. Let's see. Maybe I'll kind of end, end with this sort of thing. Why is learning important? 
Learning is essential for increased godliness. Going back to the Spiritual Disciplines book, just as every time the Bible talks about the heart, the mind is close behind. We need to take care of our heart and our mind. Or um, Don Whitney, the author, said this, the Christian life begins with learning. I say it kind of like this. The Christian life is one of being a forever learner. And here's kind of the order in which we learn about God. We need to first know the gospel and all the details. Don't just think of Christ as your buddy. Oh, yeah, he's a good guy. He died for me. He's really smart. No, know all the details and remind yourself of all the details. And you'll learn more and more and more as you remind yourself of that. Second thing, once you know the gospel, expand your view of God's holiness and expand your view of God of your own sinfulness. The bigger this is, the bigger you view and value the cross. Said this way, the needier you are as a Christian, the, need, the needier you are for Christ, the more mature you are as a disciple, which another word for disciple is learner. Not just follower, but it is learner. And then repeat step two until you die, and then you can see Jesus and whatnot. Remain said this way. Here's how we, we need to learn. Time passes. The point where it goes off is when you accept the gospel and, and learn the gospel and accept the Holy Spirit. And how we learn, we grow more aware of how big and glorious God is, how set apart he is from us and how holy he is. And then we be also become more aware of how sinful we are, which goes to opposite directions. God's way apart and we stink. But then what do we learn about in turn? How much more valuable Jesus is. If you're not there, if, you don't, if you're not learning more about Jesus and how valuable it is to your life, then are, are you really learning? And whatnot. If there's something maybe, if you haven't, uh, I know John and I have brought this up before. I know I brought it up in FCA once. If you've never taken a picture of this picture, please do. This, this chart is something I go back to to say, it's kind of a gut check for me, is where am I with my learning of Christ? Now, if I'm not learning more about Christ, I'm not saying the cross disappears. I know we go through times where it's, maybe we're steady. The cross will be the same height and the same value. But the aim from learning about God is to keep learning about Christ. Or maybe I had this thought, and, maybe, and I think I'll kind of end here um, and whatnot. Maybe you guys have felt this before. When you read your Bible, you might underline one thing at some time in your life. Years pass. You go back to that story and you're like, hey, I underlined this at some point. I wonder what it meant then. And you, underline, you read your underline and you're like, I don't know why I underlined that. And then you read that story and it has a totally different meaning. I love it when that happens to me. Because that goes to show I can't know everything there is to know about God. As I get wiser, more intelligent, and smarter, I can make more connections in the Bible, whether it's through a lecture in a sermon, or through an experience, like something like CIY, or something like Mission Peoria. You know, if you say you like learning through experience, go do one of those things. Learn through the experience. If you say you love learning through lecture, have ears to hear. People who don't like lecture, listen closely to how every sermon ends. I bet you the preacher is saying, go apply this. Go experience something with what I've said. Because the experience is there. It's just a matter of, are you doing it from there? I certainly had more to this because I like to overplan.
But maybe some practices for learning. Maybe, maybe you, you're not a great learner for some reason. Or it's hard to learn about God. Or, or it's hard to learn about where God is in other topics. But I'll say this. Know yourself. Know how you like to learn. Eliminate your distractions in school, in church, at hype, at home. Learn, know about yourself. For me, when I went to college, I, that's probably where I learned about myself the most and how I like to learn, how I like to study, and whether that meshes well with my schedule. Consult your sources. We already do this. We have the information overload right here. But both people and materials. Don't be afraid to talk to a Christian who's wiser than you because they have something to teach you. You just have to be humble enough and willing enough to understand and not get defensive about your life. And we already do this. We live in the age of experience. Be teachable in lecture. Have ears to hear. Give it a chance. Eliminate the distractions. And then be ready to apply it when you learn in experience. And like I said, I think it's our church now. I think the experience is we learn through lecture, or that's how it's presented. But like I said, next sermon you hear, at the end, there will be some application. And that's for you to experience people. And please, do it with others. Yeah, we can learn on our own. We can do our own research and whatnot. But we best learn about Christ like this. And I'll also say in that, with ranging perspective, maturity, and intellect. Simple, some of the simplest lessons I've learned for people who are less mature than I am. Honestly, some of you guys. Which is cool. I think that's, I think that's a great thing to, to see because it humbles me and someone who I, I think I'm intelligent and whatnot. But it shows me I have much more to learn about who God is and his character. All right, it's 840. I'm going to pray. Uh, this is a topic I had so much more prepared on. And it's one I'm really passionate about, if you haven't realized by now. Um, but if learning is, is hard for you, or if you're having a hard time connecting uh, how I can learn a lecture, how I can learn experience, where the meshing is, or how, what does God kind of say? If God was the teacher, what he would say? I actually had a video I skipped over. I'm, I'm going to see if I can maybe send out over the remind. Um, it's a teacher talking about really school, but I think there's many parallels we can draw between God and a teacher and how he feels about our learning in that regard. So let me go ahead and pray this out, though. Father God, I thank you for uh, a group that allows me to go over my time consistently. Um, Lord, I, I pray for forgiveness in that, in, um, in that way if I'm preventing other things from being done. But Lord, I pray that you make us teachable. God, I pray that we present ourselves as teachable day in and day out. In the classroom, at Crosspoint, at home, whatever lessons are there to be learned, which is constantly... You call us to be forever learners about you and how great you are. And God, I pray that we can learn more about you in anything we do. Lord, I pray for the things we put on the board. Lord, I pray that when it seems boring, we realize you're aiming, you're, you want us to know more about you in the end, so it's not boring. God, I pray that when it seems like there's too, it's taking too much time and effort, that the effort's not in vain. Lord, I pray that people know that you don't grade us. You forgive us of our sin. There is no GPA. There is no SAT score with you. Remind us that it's not about our performance. It's about are we learning more about you and giving more of our life to you? Do we view the cross as more? There is no performance in that. Lord, I pray that we find a style that we like. I pray that we find other people that don't distract us and bring us more toward you. 
And God, I pray for interest. God, I pray that we don't be bored. I pray that we find things in the Bible that interest us and that leads to more interest and more stories and more people and so on. And God, I pray you give us emotions for a reason. I pray that our emotions lead us to better learning. I pray that we, we, we find things we love to learn about and pursue that. And God, I pray that when we are negative, when we are frustrated, and maybe it hurts to learn or hurts to go to school or hurts to listen to this person talk for whatever reason, Lord, that we can pray against that and we can be teachable and ready looking to understand having an ear to hear, and having feet that are ready to apply. God, I love you so much for this group. I thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak. I love you. Amen.